I want to talk to you today on the subject of what happens when Christians sin. What happens when the blood-bought, born-again, adopted children of God sin? Is there any problem related to that situation? In other words, is there such a thing as getting saved and never having another problem? Never being tempted again? Never having a bad day? Perfect in every way? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I also know that when God's children sin, willfully sin, it's a different thing than a lost person who is still in their sin because their sins have not been forgiven. They've not asked for salvation. They've not come to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. And there's a big difference. Those that do not know the Lord enjoy sin. They look for it. They pay for it. They'll do anything in the world just to have a good time and think that they're caught up in the joys of life. But when a person becomes a Christian, they realize to know him is to have life more abundantly. We know in whom we have believed. We are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we've committed unto him against that day. But that still does not take away the fact that we as believers are bombarded by the forces of darkness, not in order to take our salvation because the blood of Jesus cleanses forever and forever and forever. You cannot get saved and be lost again. That cannot happen. However, you can lose the joy of your salvation very easily and very quickly. And I want to show you today, as we talk about David, most people, if you know anything about the Bible, know that he's one of the main characters. We know about his uh, beginning, his early life, and slaying the giant, and on and on. But without going into all of those wonderful things that we could say about David, I want to take you to the time when David had a real problem. He had a problem with a woman. Can you imagine such a thing? <laughs> and in the midst of his life, when he could have even been more influential, he chose to sin. Now, the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. There is pleasure in sin. For anybody to say there's no fun to sin, say, well, you just hadn't tried the right sin. <laughs> but let me tell you something. When you become a born-again Christian, if you've really come to that moment when you're sincere that you want to start over again, you know you're a sinner, you know Jesus loved you, he died for you, and you invite him to come into your life like this mother and daughter that we saw baptized a moment ago. When that happens in your life, the scripture says you are born again and the old things pass away and everything becomes new. Now, let me tell you what that means in practicality. The moment a person is born again, 
they have enjoyed their last sin. The moment you become a believer and are born again, you have enjoyed your last sin. You can have a buzz real quick, but it won't last long. You will find out as a believer that God wants his children to obey him. He has a plan for their life. For that plan to be fulfilled, they must walk with him, not occasionally, not just on Sunday morning, not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, not on Easter and Christmas, but every moment of every day. A child of God should be made aware that Jesus lives in their life. And whatever they say, wherever they go, whatever they do, he will be there. Let me let you in on a little secret if you don't know anything about the Bible. A lot of sin is done in the darkness. Let me tell you something. It can't get dark enough for the Lord not to see every single thing that goes on. It cannot happen. Darkness attracts the world. But light is the thing that believers look for. We want to see what's going on. We want to know truth. We want to know what's right and what's wrong. Because we know that if we are born again, we're Christians. We're little Christ. We are to represent him, as the scripture again says, as he is. So we're to be in this world. One of the things that will make you change your itinerary, if you have trouble with your words and your language and your vocabulary and you say, I have to use a little Latin every once in a while, let me tell you something. Whenever you become a child of God and Jesus comes to live into your life, that kind of thing will begin to, to affect you greatly. I'm talking about your vocabulary. How very quickly you hit a golf ball and you damn God's name, stuff like that, all that crazy stuff. Have a couple of drinks and you just want to see who can cuss the most before we leave. But I got to sober up because I got to go to church on Sunday morning. You see, once you're born again, you've enjoyed your last sin. I know I've said it once. I'm going to say it again. It's over with. And that's not from practical experience. That's from biblical truth that I'll show you here in just a moment. David did not enjoy his sins. He only enjoyed that time when he walked with God and was obedient to the Lord, could write Scripture, and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All of these wonderful Scriptures that we have of the Psalms, and David as he related to those Psalms in many different ways, we know, we know, we know, we know, that when a Christian sins, there's going to be problems. I read to you from the 51st Psalm. Listen very carefully. David wrote this chapter. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. This follows now the story of him and Bathsheba. Look at verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Number 3. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. 
Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all of mine iniquities. Sin is threefold. Death, separation from God while in this earth, and eternal death. Sin was in the beginning, and it will be in the end. Our life, in whatever generation we are born, we will have to deal with that issue. We will either win or lose. There's no ties. There's no playoffs. This is the real thing. David, with all of his sins, and he was a horrible sinner at times, but there was something in him that ultimately let him see that he that was in him was greater than he that was in the world. You know, some things follow others as night follows day. You know why we sin? Because we're sinners. How about that? I know you're just astounded by the intellectual statement. But sinners sin. And all of us have sinned. It's not a fact of how righteous you are. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. But there's lost sinners and there's saved sinners. And when you know the difference, then you know which side you're on. If you don't know what the Scripture teaches, then you don't know whether you're on the way to heaven or you're not. Because you get caught up in what the world thinks, that God grades on the curve, and as long as you finish in the upper 30% of the class, you're going to make it. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And he doesn't teach it where you have to be a seminarian and a theologian to understand it. The Bible's so simple, a little child can understand. But we get sometimes so educated that we become ignorant. We have no practical sense. We do not know truth when we see truth. And so David is a perfect example of what we all need to, to learn. One of the things is that suffering and anguish always follow sin. You don't sin and sin and sin and sin, and it gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Amen. It's just the opposite. But you can't get things right until you accept the fact that you are a sinner. Amen. Not only are you a sinner, you're living in sin at this very moment. You still do not practice what the scripture says a believer will practice. You rarely ever share Jesus with anybody. You find it very difficult to give your time to the Lord. Everything in the world will take first place before your time with the Lord. Whether it's worship, serving, giving, just name it. And those struggles come, but they're not unique to our generation. They go all the way back to the beginning. 
You see, when you sin, you sin against God. You sin against God. That's what sin is. It is not doing bad stuff. It is disobeying the God that loved you so much. He gave his son to die for you and planned your life out and equips you to do his plan, but you have turned your back on him. And when that happens, the wheels start coming off. Every child of God, every child of God will suffer for your sin in this life. You cannot disobey God and get along. God doesn't say, you do that one more time, I'm going to get you. Every sin, the scripture says, will be brought in to the eyes of God and the will of God to do what he wants to do with you. He takes very seriously, very seriously. There's no ho, ho, ho sins in Jesus' life. He knows. He knows his purpose for existing and we need to find out what is our purpose. Well, I'm going to give you several things here this morning, but I'll try to do them, and I will within our time limit. But if you take notes, let me tell you the first thing sin does for the Christian. It soils your soul. It soils your soul. Amen. It is very difficult to sin all week and come to church and sing, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. And you know you've been on living hell all week because you have taken Jesus to places that he didn't want to go. You have said things he didn't want to hear. You've done things that he did not want to witness, but yet you try to worship on Sunday. You can't do that. Except you repent, you perish. If you can't be quit saying, I'm just as good, and you look across the auditorium and say, I know one thing. You know, I may have a little problem in that area, but that guy over there, that girl over there, they got a worse problem than I got. That's not the way Jesus looks at it. Amen. One sin is too many. But there's not one sin that God won't forgive except the sin of unbelief. When you turn your back on Jesus Christ, he's the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. There's not another chart. There's not another book. There's not another philosophy. He is the way or he's none of the ways. He said he's the way. If that's not the truth, then he's a liar. And you know he's not a liar because he's the truth. That's what he says I am. I am the truth. Amen. Listen to what he says in that first two verses. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. What, why does he want to be washed? Because sin makes you feel dirty. It makes you feel dirty. makes you feel bad. When you say something you shouldn't say, do something you shouldn't do, if I do that, it makes me feel terrible. And I want to get it right. I want to get it right. I want to be spiritually washed in the blood of Jesus. Not just once, but I know his grace is sufficient. And his blood can cleanse from every single sin. But don't you ever think that a child of God will not suffer for their sin. We will. And sometimes even worse than a non-believer. So if you've chosen to sin, let me let you in on a secret. If you don't know this, you're bound to suffer. Your sins will find you out according to this book. There will come a time when you'll say, God, why? 
have I forsaken you? What was I thinking when I made that decision? Dear God, I just feel so embarrassed. I feel like I have let you down. And the reason we feel that way is because we did. But we look at the scripture and it says that it'll soil the soul. That's what sin does. You know, I don't know what the real problem is in America to name the sin. But I know the problem in America is the same as the problem of the rest of the world. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I do not care what party you're in or what continent you live on. Sin is rampant in our world, in our day. The worst kind of pollution is the heart. We have that phrase, my heart is broken. What we're saying is, I just feel bad all over. I'm not thinking right. I'm not doing right. My, my work at school is not going like it should. On the job, I'm not performing like I should. My relationship to my family is not right. We can go on and on and on with those things. But the one thing for sure is that it soils the soul. But it does something else. If we go to the third verse, we'll see that it saturates the mind. This is what sin does to a Christian. It saturates the mind. Verse 3 says, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. I don't want my sin before me. Do you? Are you into a sense? I just want to look at it every day. I just like to get up and look in the mirror and say, Oh, you sinner, you, you are so wonderful. I just wished I could just be a bigger one. I don't think so. I, I think when we understand that until we get right, now this message is, is to those that claim to be believers. It absolutely saturates our mind until we can, can pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and deal with my sin. You can't carry that baggage with you. You have to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Take your sin to the cross and leave it there. And I've heard people, and I can pick on the Baptists since I are one. But I've heard all of my growing up, and there's always guys that are older than me, and they, they'd say out on the golf course, at the hunting camp, in the fishing boat, down at the park, at the zoo, well, I'm just an old backslidden Baptist. <laughs> I'm just an old backslidden Baptist. <laughs> Let me tell you, God doesn't get anything funny out of that. If I'm backslidden, I want to get up there where I'm supposed to be. I want to get rid of that backslidden stuff. Anytime you can laugh about not being right with God, you need to find out whether you ever knew God. Because once you know God and spend some time with God, you will never settle for anything else. But if you just put him as one of the bunch, you may have a whole lot of problems in that. But that third verse tells us that it saturates the mind. And listen, if sin does not bother you mentally, you need to get saved. And I say that with love. If you're saved, sin bothers you. It embarrasses you. I can't believe I did that. How stupid was I to make that move? 
Why did I go there and do that? Bet this, bet that. What am I thinking about? Well, you're not thinking about him because he said, I'll take care of you if you'll just walk with me. There's another thing that sin does to a believer. It stings our conscience. It stings our conscience. Listen to verse 4. Against you, God, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. You don't sin against people. You sin against God. Whenever we do those things, like David, he came to grips, but he said, it's against you I've been sinning. God, I kind of thought it was among the boys. I thought it's kind of among the people I run with. God said, no, this relationship of sin is between me and you. Me and you. If I'm walking in sin and living in sin, I am not right with God. And that's what should bother me the most. When people don't like you, they don't love you, they don't want to talk to you, just make sure God still loves you and still God wants to talk to you. And God wants to use you. He wants to make you over again. And he'll meet you anywhere, anytime, in any place. And his grace is sufficient. You see in that fourth verse, read those first four verses against you and you only have I sinned. Who's the you? God. God. You can't make things right with each other. We can't do that until we get right with God. When we get right with God, then we can go to that other person humbly. And by the way, you don't go, if God is in you, you don't come and say, well, I was wrong, but so were you. You just go say, I sinned. Please forgive me. I've asked God to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me. Now, that's what Christians are supposed to do. It's not a popularity contest. It's not who's the most stubborn. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the grace of God. And that is everything. That is everything. What David is saying in that passage there in the fourth verse is, it's his way of saying, God, I forgot that you saw my sin. See, that's the reason people like to get in the darkness. That's the reason so much sin's in the darkness. Think nobody can see them. God sees you. God knows. God sees it. It ought to break our heart. Not that we didn't get caught. Anybody else have trouble with policemen coming behind you on the, on the highway? Am I the only one? I mean, I don't even see a policeman. I don't think, uh-oh, he's after me. I don't enjoy that. If I want to go see motorcycle riders, I'll go down to where I live at Bay Cliff and watch the hellfighters drive by, all right, on theirs. But you know what? We, we are so caught up in the reason that if I can just hide it from everybody here, I can get through this thing. No, you can't get through it till you, till you settle this deal. And the only way you're going to settle this deal is to humble yourself and pray and seek God's face and turn from your wicked ways. Then I'll forgive your sin and I'll heal your land and I'll take care of your life. So my question to you is, are you right with God? Number four, sin saddens the heart of a believer. If you see people at church on 
or out at the grocery store or wherever, and you know them to be Christians, and every time you see them, they just look so sad, so down, don't want to talk to anybody, wore out, fatigued. You know what? There's a real chance that the reason for that is sin in the life of that person. You cannot rejoice in the Lord and live in sin. Sin saddens the hearts of believers. We are different. We've been born again. Old things pass away. Now all things become new. Now when we can't be happy, when we act just like the world, when we have somebody get in our way, then we need to go to this passage of Scripture and, and understand you cannot lose your salvation, but you can sure lose the joy of it. And when you lose the joy of it, then you start looking for joy somewhere else. And you're right back in trouble. Question for you. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? If you say yes, or if you say no, my next question is, how do you tell? How do you know? Are you happy today? Are you at peace today? All those things I've been mentioned, how's it going? Are you a believer? Yes. Have you taken it to the Lord? Well, I'm, th I'm thinking about it. Well, that's what we're here to do on Sunday. That's the reason we have a beautiful prayer room over here. That's the reason that the altar's always open for you to come in prayer. That's the reason we have a connection center. Get it right. Get it right. It don't take six months. Salvation comes just like this, and getting right comes just like that too. It's immediate. It's immediate when you just take it to God and his grace is sufficient. Happiness is the flag that's thrown from the castle of the heart when the king is on the throne. You just go away and rejoice in the Lord. The Bible says always rejoice in the Lord. I'm sure you have seen people that claim to be Christians and they look worse than the pictures they used to have on iodine bottles. <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious, they look terrible. I mean, they can't even sing, oh, how I love Jesus with a smile. And God said, I want you to get there. I want people that are lost to want to be saved because there's something that you have that they don't have. And by the way, what God gives you, the world cannot take away. I like that song. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I think a lot of people when they're in their car by themselves sing, the longer I serve him, the more grouchy I get. But they don't do that at church. That's all done in private. That's not an advertisement for Jesus. You're going to have joy unspeakable and full of glory if you have the Lord in your life. Amen. You know, some of you, and I'm not calling any names because there's hundreds of you here, but y'all look so happy, and I hope I do most of the time. I really, really do. But for others, if you are saved, you need to tell your face. <laughs> you know? You just need to get in there somewhere, shut the door, get in front of the mirror, look at yourself, and just talk to yourself. And it's okay as long as it doesn't start answering back at you, and mirrors are bad about that, I know. 
But if you can just get to that point that you can go back to your little childhood and sing every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before and mean it, you've arrived. It's where God and where David wants us to be because David is giving his own testimony to try to help us not make the mistakes he made. But in that he made them and then he got right with God means that we can get right with God too if we're not where we ought to be this morning. Sin is no friend to us. All you have to do is look at the bloody cross of Calvary and see sin is no friend. Let me give you a fifth one. Believers, sin sickens the body. It sickens the body. Mentally, emotionally, and physically. If you mistreat your body just because you're saved, thinking, well, I'm saved now, and I don't have, it, I don't have to worry. No, that's not true. Sin sickens the body. It comes in and causes every kind of problem. You ever hear anybody say these things? You know, Pastor, I'm just hurting on the inside today. That might not have been the right word, but if it is the right word that you're hurting, I'm so glad you're here because you don't have to go out of here hurting. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care whether you've been right or wrong in your responses to the problem, but I do know this that God's grace is sufficient for you instantaneously. The moment you pray and ask the Lord into your life, it's instant salvation. You don't work yourself into becoming a Christian. You just bury the old life, and you're raised to walk in a new life. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty, it says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. If you go back to 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about sin. As he says... For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and some have died. We are not immune to the weapons of this world unless God protects us. When we tell God to stay back, I can handle it. I work out every day. I eat the right foods. I do everything right. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. The answer is, you know that you know when you come to something you cannot handle. The doctor says, here is your report. You have a certain amount of time to live. You listen. You thank God that you're alive. But the main thing you remember is the great physician will decide when we leave this earth. And if you haven't heard me, I've told this over and over to the regulars here. Anytime a doctor tells you that, that he'll give you two months, you just tell him you can't pay the bill in two months and he'll give you at least a year. <laughs> I'll guarantee it. That's a guarantee from your pastor, all right? But there's not a doctor on the planet that knows when you're going to die or when I'm going to die. But there is a great physician that knows, and the moment I die and draw my last breath here, I'm drawing my first breath up there. And it's forever and forever and forever. And there's no more sorrow. There's no more sickness. There's no more division because we are absent from the body. We're present with the Lord. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Number six, it sours the spirit. Sin sours the spirit. Verse 10, here's what he said. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew 
a right spirit within me. Isn't that a good verse? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Say that verse with me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Backsliders find fault in everything. People that aren't walking with God find fault in everything. There's an old song that says, he looked beyond my fault and saw my needs. God's not looking for your faults. He's looking for your needs. He's wanting to take you and make you into his image to do what he created you to do. David, David, he forgot his own sin and started criticizing others. That's easy for us to do. Real easy for us to do. We hear somebody's had a bad time. Well, it doesn't surprise me a bit. I've been thinking that for quite a while now. I've been around them a few times, been out to eat together, play golf together, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't surprise me. No, that's not the way you handle that. When one hurts, we ought to all hurt. And when one rejoices, we ought to all rejoice. But I'll tell you this, and I've witnessed this for 60 years in the ministry. The further you get from God, the more judgmental you're going to be. It's one thing to point out sin. It's another thing to point out sin and not do anything about it. When we point out sin, we shouldn't say we're better than others, but we better say if it wasn't for the grace of God, I could be just like them. God chose so many things in our life. He had a plan. And we're to walk in obedience to him. And if we do that, if we do that, God promises to meet our needs. But people can get so caught up, so bitter, so argumentative when they start drifting away from God. I heard a story years ago, being that I was raised in a preacher's home and raised around the church. Maybe this is funnier to me than it is to you. But there was a man walking down the, the halls of his little country church and he didn't like the budget of the church. He's always questioning the budget and all. And he opened the door of the closet in the hallway. And the last business meeting at the church, it said that we're behind in our budget. He looks in there and there's four brooms, four new brooms. Well, his first thought was we only got one custodian. Now, who was it that went out and bought those four brooms? You know, I mean, we just need to bring that up at church conference the next week. You know, that's. I grew up in churches, had church conference every month. Gave the devil a chance every month to tear the church up. And he did a pretty good job of most of them. But he went and talked to the finance chairman. He didn't get much answer. So he went and talked to the pastor. And talking to the pastor, he said to the man that was pointing it out, uh, to others, he said about that man, to the chairman of the finance com committee, he says, well, how would you feel if you were a member of this church and you made good money and everybody knew it and you walk down the hallway of the church that you go to and you open a door and you see all of the money that you ever gave to the church over the last 10 years tied up in four lousy brooms? <laughs> would you not be upset? Well, that's funny, but it is real too. I tell you what, whenever you learn 
that Jesus is in charge. And he will take that sin and cleanse it and keep it that way if you just keep worshiping him, keep serving him, keep reading the scripture, keep sharing with others the love of God. Number seven, and finally, what does sin do to the Christian? It seals the lips. I'm talking to a lot of people today, and I talk with love in my heart, but you find it very, very difficult to tell people about Jesus because they know so much about you that you feel like, well, I just can't do it because they know blah, 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 fill in the blanks. It's a tragedy when God's kids quit telling others you're God's kids. We like to talk about a lot of things. We like to talk about our kids, our grandkids, our fish that we caught, our, our trophies that we won, the business day. We like to talk about everything except Jesus. And Jesus is the sweetest name we know. And when you are walking in sin, you cannot be a witness because you know that people that you're trying to witness to that you love and have known for years do not see Jesus in you. And because of that, you just don't witness. Scared to death to talk to somebody. Go out and make a visit. Make a phone call. You just cannot do it. You just cannot do it. But listen in the 14th and 15th verse of the 51st Psalm. He says, deliver me from my blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. Now listen, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. You see, folks, the difference between you being a witness and not being one is to get yourself right with God. If you say, pastor, I'm going to be honest. There's been some slipping away. I don't read the Bible like I used to. I don't pray as much as I should. Used to come on Wednesday night. Don't come anymore. Used to come every Sunday, but don't do that anymore. Used to give, but, you know, I'd give from time to time. Listen to me, dear friend. If you would just stop and say, God, use me again. Bring me back to where I was. And if you got saved, you remember when you got saved. Amen. I can remember mine as if it were yesterday. It's been almost seven decades ago. I felt like a thousand pounds had been lifted off my back. And if you are saved and you remember that moment when you were saved, you know. Just think, it's all been wiped off. No more debt. I don't have to worry about that. The blood of Jesus is cleanse me. His grace is sufficient. His love is everlasting. And it is unconditional. Oh, I remember that now. I remember it, but it's been so long I've forgotten because I've gotten caught up in the culture. Why don't you today? Number one, why don't you, before you leave the seat that you're sitting in, if you know that you know you're saved, but you admit to yourself, there was a time when church was more important to me, the Bible was more important to me, prayer was more important to me, and others were more important to me. But it slipped away. But I want it back. I can remember, you would say, when I brought somebody to church one time, 
and they got saved. I can remember when I drove that bus through Sagemont and that little child got on the bus and came in on Sunday because mom and dad wouldn't bring them. And I took them back home. And now they're serving the Lord. And we know of hundreds of them that are doing that. And you had a part of it, but not any longer. Don't ever think you're too old, too poor, new in the church. Done all my sh- I need to. I'm going to turn it over to the young people. I don't want to turn it over to anybody. I want Jesus to stay in charge. And I want to be a part of the team. I want to be a part of the team.